Welcome back to the Wheel Takes Ellie podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and as always, I'm joined by Andy. And in this, this is episode 22, and this will be a uh, round two review of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, there were four series. It was Tampa Bay and Florida, Colorado and um, the Blues, uh, Calgary and Edmonton, and then Carolina and the New York Rangers. And, um, you know, we'll waste no time in getting into this episode because last episode, you know, it was a very long episode. We covered a lot of teams in that one. So this one will be shorter and we'll try not to uh, take up too much time in this one. Um, if anybody wants to follow along, these are the this is the order of the series that they'll go in. Um, that would think since every one of these series went a different amount of games. Um, we'll just go from least to longest series. So right. we'll, I like we'll, it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, that, that was the neat thing about this four series and they all went Probably different games. Mass guys out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty happy. <laughs> Any trend, anybody who likes trends, math, this is for you. Um, <laughs> so we'll start with Tampa and Florida. That was a four game series. <clears throat> then we'll go into Calgary and Edmonton, which was the five game series. Then yeah. we'll go St. Louis and Colorado, which was six. And then obviously we'll end it with uh, Carolina and the Rangers that went uh, seven. Um, so getting right into the uh, Tampa Bay, Florida series. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it on the last podcast, um, but I know I mentioned it in the group chat, especially to Ryan. But, you know, this is this is why I just can't or at least couldn't see Florida being a cup contender. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I called them frauds and. You know, me and him debated about that, whether they were frauds or not. But um, when you're the number one offensive team in the league, you win the president's trophy. Um, you know, Florida, you, you finally won the first round since 1996. You know, things were looking good for you. This, if, if there was a year to win the cup, it was going to be this year with the way you guys were playing. And, right. you know, you fell flat once you faced the first uh, team that, was a, a powerhouse team in Tampa Bay. I mean, I know it's a tough task to ask um, such a inexperienced uh, team like Florida in the playoffs to beat, you know, the reigning back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. But, um, you know, my point to Ryan was, if you're going to be a cup contender, you have to be able to beat teams like that. You know, you, you have to be able to beat Carolina. You fire. have to be able to beat Colorado. You have to be able mm-hmm. to beat Tampa Bay. You know, those are teams that you're going to have to get through in order to win the cup. Um, And I think that's what my biggest gripe with Florida was. Um, You know, they looked so flat in this series. Huberto, Barkoff, you know, um, these guys just seem so. They they just seem so off, you know, Um, I I felt like the only player that showed up in this series for Florida was Bobrovsky. Um, Yeah. You know, I was mentioning it in the in the last podcast. You know, when you're paying him ten million dollars, you want him to win the cup. You know, that that's what you're paying him for. I was just gonna say that's a pretty high compliment given that that price tag that you that you called out in the last episode. And and I think he deserved it. I, I really do. Um, you know, uh, he he was the only Panther that really showed up. Like I said, it felt like once they won the first round, they thought their job was done. Um, mm. you know, I felt like their only objective this postseason was to just get past the first round, get that monkey off their back. And then once they got it off their back, they just relaxed. They, you know, p- 
put they took the gas off the pedal or uh pedal off the gas you know it's it just their foot off the gas yeah, yeah they, they took their foot off the gas they they pretty much rolled over once you know tampa um uh you know got to them it's it just it was frustrating to watch and um you know for a team that that won the president's trophy like i said and, and was the number one offense um they, they fell flat against tampa in this series uh, there was a rumor that came out after game three that apparently some players went were in a uh, Tampa Bay uh, strip club until 3 a.m. when they had that double header the next game. I think that was a Sunday night going into a Monday it morning. Was. Yeah. Um, you know, when you hear that, I we don't know if that's true or false. I obviously I wasn't there at the, uh, you know, strip club that they were <laughs> rumored to be at. Um, and I didn't see any videos or pictures of them at this strip club. So we're just taking the word of whoever. Um, pure speculation. Yeah, pure speculation. Whoever reported that, we're taking their word for it. Uh, you know, so I don't know if that's true, but one thing, one thing is true. You know, that's not a good look that that's even coming out. You know, that that's when you hear that, you know, you got to just scratch your head, going, "What are they doing?" Um, after game well, three, I... go ahead and go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it really, I mean, that instance, that rumor, whether or not it's true, really kind of hammers home your point that they sort of rolled over the series. And, you know, after after game three going down 3-0 in the series and you're looking at game four, which is still in Tampa, um, and you have, you have that extended break from the day of the end of the game on Sunday till the next evening uh, for your second game. It's yeah, it's not a good look. I mean, even if that is, is even if that speculation is untrue, um, you were mentioning the comments, I think that Huberto or Barkov was making as far as um, someone either asking about that instance or asking about uh, the status of the series after game three. And you were telling me that their response was sort of like, yeah, well, no one cares. And we just got to win the next game. Um, to me, I, I would agree. I think that they faced some adversity in the first round against Washington. You know, they went down 2-0 or 2-1 in the series and they put up six against them in one of those games. And they bounced back from that, which was nice. Um, I'm sure that was really uplifting in the around the team, around the club. Um, it's good that they didn't sweep Washington uh, that, you know, they, they probably were feeling pretty good and they might have been feeling a little too good. Um, and Tampa went through a full seven game series with Toronto. And I and I I would say that before that series, I would say Tampa, if like if Tampa faced Florida in the first round, they might have had a better chance because. That series, winning that seven-game series, in my opinion, turned playoff mode on for, like, everybody in Tampa Bay. It's like, oh, man, we're back on our cup run again. Everybody, don't forget. Let's start playing like that. And that's exactly how they started playing in Florida in game one. Um, Florida got behind two down two games. They lost their first two games at home. You have completely handed the series over momentum wise at that point. And you really need something to go down in game three to, to turn the ship around and they didn't do it. And to your point, Nick, they have to, it doesn't matter what team does that to you. 
you have to beat them if you want the cup. You, you don't win the president's trophy and that doesn't give you the cup. Uh, like we all know about the president's cur- the president's trophy curse and everything. But, you know, you're just bringing attention to that president's trophy because it's the number one team across the entire league. The same can be said for Colorado, for Carolina. Like the work isn't done after the regular season is over with. And it's certainly not done after just one round of the playoffs. Right. Um, and and I think that that's that's where I'm coming from. You know, it's mm-hmm. yes, those regular se- those regular season achievements are great. And hey, yeah, you won your first um, you won your first series since 1996. That's huge. But, right. you know, I almost wanted to see um, Florida sort of take an approach that I would assume Toronto would if they won their first series where, um, you know, I know I know we compared it uh, in the last episode. Um, like if Toronto was able to get past the first round, that would be like them slaying the dragon uh, right. comparative to uh, the Capitals. Once they finally beat Pittsburgh, they won on to win the cup. It's that yeah. adversity. And I was kind of hoping to see that when Florida won their first round, you know, that, I like I you. said, we weren't alive or I know you were alive, but I wasn't alive when they for last won their playoff series. Um, I've at least been alive since Toronto won it, but, you know, I wasn't alive when they did. Um, and yes, the regular season is great, but like you said, the work isn't done there. You know, you're going to, if Tampa Bay in the regular season is not going to be as um, hard to play as Tampa Bay in the postseason, they're going to be a yeah. much grittier, a much harder team on you. Um, right. You know, this team a higher is seed. exactly they are going to play above their seeding. Exactly. They're, they were a third seeded team. They've not had home ice uh, advantage at all in these rounds and they're in the conference finals. You know, it's there that that's, that's what you, that's what you want to see in a team, you know, Oh, you have the president's trophy. That's great. You know, but we need to see more than that. Um, I also found the quote that Jonathan Huberdeau uh, said. Um, So I'll mention that his quote is it's three, nothing who cares we can come back. And obviously that was, you know, game three. Um, and that, that was probably before they went out to the strip club, whoever those people were. Um, but the fact that he says, who care, I I don't like that. I, you know, like I know that the Florida Panthers are known as like the comeback kids, the cardiac kids, you know, they can be down five goals and win it in overtime. And, you know, that's great. Um, it's, it's also a hard way to, to play the game when you're always down. Yep. Um, it's nice that you're able to come back, but you also want to see your team lead at times, especially in the playoffs. Um, you know, and that quote just kind of resembles that. I, I just, it didn't seem like even the Florida Panthers players cared about this series. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like in that, in that moment, in that quote, you know, put Bergeron or put Marshawn right. in that seat. And what do you think they would say? The things that are coming out of their mouths are, Man, we sucked. We've been sucking for three games. We, you know, we're not getting pucks in deep. You know, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be criticizing themselves. And that's the type, you know, that's the type of leadership that you want to see at the stand after going down 3-0 in a series. Still a very daunting task to overcome, and it's not very likely. But at least the guys who are leading the team have that mentality that, you know, the group can rally around. But getting up there and just saying, you know, who cares? We can come. We're down 3-0. We can come back. Like, 
what kind of morale that doesn't send a shockwave of morale boost through through the locker room in my opinion you know if i get home as a player later on and i hear that i see that quote come up in my feed it's like what am i playing for this guy for yeah no that that's exactly it um i i have the schedule in front of me there four games i'll just quickly go through the uh the scores so game one in florida tampa bay wins four to one um game two this was this was probably the most heartbreaking loss in this series for a florida panthers mm-hmm. fan um it's one one with i think 5.7 seconds left something six, like that I think. five six <laughs> five six so <laughs> um there's five six left on the uh, clock kucherov is behind the net and for whatever reason mckenzie Weger thinks that he's <clears> a threat <throat> behind there he goes to so he doubles him. So he doubles on him, leaving Ross Colton wide open, who scores with I want to say it was like three point three two seconds left, something like that. I mean, it was so fast that the clock kept running on a on the broadcast, uh, and then they had to go back and and fix the clock. They pulled a couple seconds back. Yeah. Yeah, they pulled a couple seconds back. So that was a heartbreaking loss for Florida fans. Um, game three, again, another blowout. Tampa wins five to one. And then, uh, you know, game four, Tampa seals the deal two nothing. Right. Y- you want to see and more you know what, dude, these that, elimination that games. Game two loss was, was not just, was not just a letdown. I think for, for Florida fans, that was a right. letdown for hockey fans. Yes. I mean, we were all strapped in. I was like, okay, Florida's turning their series around. They exactly. look really good. They're going to take this to overtime and they're going to steal this one out from underneath Tampa. And that's going to be the momentum gain, the momentum shift that they need to turn the series around. And it's like, oh, my God, of of all the ways you could prevent that from happening. This was like the most, you know, uh, Broadway-esque way of doing it for Tampa. I mean, it really was a dagger for for a lot of reasons. And I think. Florida didn't just feel that let down from their fans. They probably felt it from the greater hockey community that night. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, it, I, I thought that this would be the game that they sort of proved themselves. Like, yes, we lost you that know, character pretty, test. Exactly. It's that, mm-hmm. and like you said, it's, it's a character test. It's for them to get back in this series and, you know, they give up that late goal. You know, it's it's just frustrating because you're sitting there thinking you only needed to kill five minutes, uh, five seconds. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's just cover your guy in front of the net. Puck comes out, just swat at it or just tie your man up. Do one of those things. Any other thing besides what you did, Mackenzie Wigner or Wigner would have <laughs> would have at least brought it to overtime and given you a chance to win. Oh. Um, you know, and those are the frustrating and also that that goes into the inexperience that I uh, mentioned that they have in the postseason. You know, that's that's somebody who who would have the experience in the playoffs, um, like a Ryan McDonough, like a like a Victor Hedman or an, an Eric Chernak. They're not doing that when there's you know 5.6 seconds left on the clock. They're tying their man up. They're looking over their shoulder to make sure nobody's in front of the net. Um, I, I felt so bad for Bobrovsky when it happened because. He was really keeping Florida in that game. Hung out to dry. Um, And and yeah, and and like I said, I I think he really was hung out to dry um, in this series. Uh, We mentioned Carter Verhage. Specifically in that moment, too. 
yeah yeah it, it was definitely a dagger for him um i know last episode we mentioned carter verhage um having the 12 points in um in the six games against the Car- uh, against capitals in this series he had uh he had no points so he stayed at 12 um claude Giroux was their second scorer three goals five assists eight points in 10 games barkoff uh, seven points in 10 games, only two goals. Ekblad, five points in 10 games with one goal. Um, I don't know how closely you watched Ekblad play, Andy, but um, he was a serious disappointment. Uh, when yeah. I when I watched him play, he, he looked like uh, like a scout or he looked like a... Uh, like a street pole. Yeah, he, he 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 seemed so just disoriented with the puck. Um, you know, it, it's that kind of peewee play where you know a defenseman doesn't like to keep the puck, so he just throws it instead of you know allowing his teammates to break out or allowing his teammates to you know form lanes or whatever, take up space, taking it up himself. Exactly, he just he'll take mm-hmm. the puck, he'd throw it away, or he'd create a turnover. Um, Watching him in this series was, I mean, my good. It was frustrating to watch. It really was. Um, and you know, he's he's one of the, he's seen as one of their best defensemen, um, and he has so but and has so for a while now. I believe he's a number. He's a former number one overall pick as well. And I just I just feel like you're just not getting uh, what you need out of that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got to be better. He has to be whole better, teams, especially in times like got to be better. But it can start with him. It can start with Huberto. Yep. Yeah. And uh, he is. It was correct. He was a former first overall pick in 2014. Okay. Um, um, and Last thing I would say for the Panthers yeah. series is I think their biggest component of a championship run that's lacking is their speed. I think. That the four game series against Tampa really showcased just how much slower they are uh, compared to the field. I mean, you have you have Huberto who's got those long strides who can create speed, but as far as just sheer velocity goes, they don't. Their acceleration is not up there. It's uh, I've come I've commended them on their size and their heaviness a lot. But it almost looks like there's just too many like Jordan Stahl types out there, you know, guys who can play gritty, guys who can who can hardball, but it's not guys who can turn on a dime and who can yes generate chaos by you know moving the puck uh, very aggressively and very quickly. What yeah. I would say. Yeah, and then I'll I'll end on this note. Um, you're not going to go far in the playoffs no matter what team you are if you're playoff if your power play is not successful. Um, I think their power play ended up going one for... Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, spoiler alert. But uh, I think they went for one for 27 or one for 28, and they didn't score their first power play goal until, I want to say, game three. uh, Wow. Yeah, it was game three, because obviously they were shut out uh, for game four. So it was game three where they scored their first and only goal of that game, and it was a power play goal. Um, I know in the last episode, uh, I mentioned that Joe Thornton was put up in the lineup uh, specifically to get that power play going, and Anthony Duclair was taken out. 
I didn't understand that move at all. Um, that was a head scratcher for me. Um, I thought Duclair had a had a great series. Um, I thought he had a great playoffs in general. You know, you look at that guy. He's he's been a uh, a guy who's a, he's he's been a journeyman for um, his whole career. He's a former Coyote. Pretty sure he's a former Blackhawk. Um, former Columbus Blue Jacket. Um, I even think he's a former Ranger. There, there's a lot of teams that he played for, and uh, you know, I thought that it seems like he's fitting in Florida really nice. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought he had a, a great playoffs, great postseason. But unfortunately, um, he was taken out in replacement for uh, uh, Joe Thornton, and and that's just not going to get you wins. You were just mentioned speed. You take Duclair out, you're you're losing your speed. Joe Thornton is pretty much cinder blocks on the ice. You know, I told I wasn't gonna specifically call that out, but that move to bring in Joe Thornton for Game Four was, I mean, that was a sign from the coaches that it it was give up because <laughs> because I mean I know it's these times are desperate and you need to make desperate decisions, but. <sighs> Joe Thornton is not going to give you Mm-mm. the uh, the the jolt that you need to turn <laughs> a reverse seer, you know a reverse a reverse sweep on. It's right. just not it's just not the guy. No, no, <laughs> that's a tall um, order for a Nathan McKinnon to say the least. <laughs> yeah, you know? no, it is. But uh, before we ended that series, I I had to mention the power play. It was definitely their Achilles heel in, against the Capitals. And the uh, the point. lightning and and like I said I I know um, that they got through Washington even without that power play but if that power play was clicking they probably handle Washington a little bit better than six games and then who knows maybe this series would have went further than it was don't know if and it's not to same, say they would have same exact report for the Carolina Hurricanes yep yeah no. and we'll get into that for sure but we'll now go into the uh, Carolina, damn it, Andrew. Canada Cup. Yeah, I was going to say, you keep getting me with Carolina, Calgary and Carolina, man. I always get them, not confused, but, you know, sort of similar. Hey, I'm dyslexic, um, so I can't even go to. <laughs> um, Anyway, we'll, we'll go into the Edmonton Oilers, uh, Calgary yeah. Flames series. Um, this from the start, man, game one was an absolute. High throttle. Yeah, you, you want to talk about just pure Fireworks. goal scoring. Um, <laughs> goalies don't know what that is. What's a safe? Never heard of it. Um, you know, defense, don't know her. Optional. Yeah, optional. <laughs> the only thing that was mandatory was offense. Everything else yep. was optional. Oh, yeah. Um, Calgary wins that game 9-6. to six. Uh, <laughs> They also were up 5-1, to one, and they were up 6-2, to two, and that – was tied at six. Um, I, re- I remember. So because these games are, are late and because we live on the West coast, um, it East. was, Oh, sorry. Yeah. My bad. East coast. Um, because me and Andy live on the East coast, uh, you know, the further these games go, it's harder to kind of stay up and watch them. So I'm sitting there and it's that Calgary just scored their sixth goal. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it was Tyler to Foley with a um, top cheese, Goal on the power play. I said, okay, um, I'm getting tired. I'm going to just get ready for bed. Um, I went on the computer a little bit because I had some work to do. Okay. And then mom's like, oh, they scored. And I'm like, well, I didn't hear any horns go off. So that was probably Edmonton. 
and then my mom the group chat's going off in the group chat starting to go off for sure uh and i hear my mom say oh my gosh they scored again and so now it's six four and you know finally the fifth goal happened and i'm like okay well i'm gonna get off the computer because we're watching again yeah i guess i'm watching saw them tie the game i'm just sitting here thinking there's just no way there's just no way Um, i remember at this point i was like heavily questioning reality (laughs) and our existence within it but go ahead continue no no you're absolutely right with that because first of all in the playoffs i'd say like a two goal comeback maybe even a three goal comeback you know that's that's pretty hard to do you know two goals three goals in the playoffs it's hard to come by um because like i said goaltenders are when they play in the playoffs and they're on their game it's very hard to puck past them and defense Uh you know anytime there's a one goal lead uh, that team just plays shut down shot block shot blocking goes through the roof season. yeah just ask the rangers tampa bay those teams shot block well seriously seriously and you know, six two you're and Calgary's at home as well, you know. So you're thinking, okay, all you gotta do is just make sure um McDavid and Dry you you shut them down, you continue it and yeah. you have this. And they couldn't do it. Um and you know what was so funny is the first episode I wanted to make clear that goaltending is huge and you know, if you don't have good goaltending, you're not gonna get far. I've been proven wrong. Um which is a first. I, I've never seen anything like this happen. Um, Darcy Kemper and Mike Smith are in the conference finals, and both those goaltenders have some <laughs> terrible save percentages. Um, both those guys look lost out there. I swear to God, if they started playing with a beach ball, they would still be able to put that beach ball in the net with those two goalies. Um, and, you know, not to spoil it here because the series isn't over, but I will say game one in that. Uh, Colorado Edmonton series went very similar to game one of this Calgary <laughs> Edmonton or yeah, Calgary Edmonton series. Um, the the biggest note coming out of this series though, to take it more on a serious note is uh, Jacob Markstrom. Um, you know, Calgary threw him the money that Vancouver wasn't offering him. Um, I believe the conundrum was uh, Vancouver wanted him to sign a no movement clause but uh, he didn't want that in Vancouver, so uh, Calgary was was able to to sign him and for more money and for uh, that that condition of no movement clause. So that's why he ended up in in Calgary. And he was paid. He was definitely paid this off season. He was paid as a goaltender that doesn't just make the first stop. He's paid as a goaltender who makes those big saves at big times. Uh, during big plays and he did none of those things he could not he could not stop a beach ball Um, and you can go on about um, McDavid and Dreisaitl but everybody knows those guys are gonna you know chip in what's more embarrassing I think about this loss is um, you know guys like Cassian guys like um, Archibald guys like um, you know what's his name killer yamamoto these guys are scoring on you and they are by no means known for their scoring obviously when you think about edmonton their top six is very good zach hyman i thought had a wonderful series um if you're a toronto maple leafs fan or fan if you're a toronto maple leafs fan i feel so bad for you i feel (laughs) so bad for you you have seen nobody 
Um, but former Leafs just find immediate success the moment they leave Toronto. Um, I saw this little graphic that the NHL Instagram account uh, posted before game one of the Colorado Edmonton series. And it said, who's going to be the biggest difference maker? And it had Nazem Kadri and Zach Hyman uh, <laughs> in, in that series. And every, I looked at the comments and the first top comment was like, I see what you're doing. And then it said, wow. All the comments were like, wow, I know what you're doing, NHL. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, it's it's never a good sign when those uh, depth, got, depth players are able to score on your starter. Who look like superstars. Yep. Yeah. You know, um, and sure, you know, Zach Cassian and Archibald aren't scoring at a high rate, but your goaltender needs to make saves against those guys unless they're completely wide open or there's an empty net. That's the only case where I could see those guys scoring, but they they were able to to get it by you. Um, and again, Kane continues his great uh, uh, scoring postseason that he's had. Um, he really showed up in this series. I thought he was a big factor in uh, why Edmonton moved on. Obviously, uh, Dreisaitl how, had 17 how points. How when the guy's games. got two hat tricks in the series, right? I believe he had one against um, the oh, Kings okay. and one against uh, the Flames. But yes, he, he did have a hat so. trick in this series. Um, <clears throat> I I don't know if I'm trying to remember the the game he got the hat trick in. Um, I want to say game three. I was going to say game three as well, but I wasn't sure. I thought that it was in Calgary, but I could be wrong. I thought it was not. I thought he was wearing the navy blues. Oh yes, you're right. No, you're right. Yeah, it was. It That's was game what I was three. Yep. Seeing. Okay. Yep. Um. And uh, you know. Those three guys, and even Hyman. Hyman, I think, really stepped it up. I know I mentioned it earlier, but Hyman, I thought, was a big, big, big uh, reason why Edmonton finished Calgary off so quickly. Um, and it's not to take away anything from Dreisaitl. He had 17 points in five games. I didn't even know that he achieved that until uh, that series ended, and I saw a graphic posted by um, the NHL's public relations mm-hmm. um, account saying that, you know, he was one of the first players to do so since like 1984, you know, that that's just crazy, but that's expected. McDavid and Dreisaitl have, have just been on an absolute tear this postseason, and they're carrying guys like, um, they're not carrying, but they're bringing Brian guys Nurse. like uh, Evander Kane, <laughs> Hyman, and sure, Nurse up there with them. And this is what I was kind of talking about with Crosby and versus McDavid, you know, I felt as though McDavid was never a player to um, play in a way that sort of lifts his players up. Crosby has done that. It, it, you could throw a janitor on Crosby's line and that that janitor is going to get at least 30 goals in a and season. A rack up points, you know, yeah. he, he brings he brings those people up to a higher level. Look at uh, Brian Rust, you know, this guy came out of nowhere and just was able to score goals at whim on uh, Sidney Crosby's win. We're now seeing that with McDavid. Um, and that, that's kind of why I had to come clean against McDavid because I criticized him last year after being swept by uh, Winnipeg. But, you know, this this season, he seems to be on on a different level and he seemed to, uh, to really bounce back after last year's um, postseason exit. You know, and I think that he's really taken that... Uh, 
seriously and he he's using that to sort of motivate him this postseason uh, you could tell this guy wants a ring you could tell he wants it now um and he, he's playing that way along mcdavid kane and, and hyman if only mike smith could pick up his his goaltending this edmonton oilers team would be um a force to be reckoned with beast, but since, yeah. since they have that goaltending issue it's man it's holding them back and you saw it in game one against um, Colorado and even Calgary, you know, giving up nine goals. That's it's nuts. Um, but uh, to, to flip the, the script, we'll go and talk about Calgary too. You know, to Chuck only had the three goals in this series and it was the hat trick he scored in game <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, hat trick he scored in game one. Um, Johnny Goudreau, again, he had a couple goals in this series, but outside that, uh, you know, not too much. You know what? Uh, flame caught my eye this series, and it was it was kind of nice. It was kind of touching. It was Elias Lindholm. Yes. I thought in game two that uh, when it started getting out of hand for them, I thought maybe it wasn't this game, but, but there was a game where it started getting out of hand, and Lindholm brought it back for the Flames. I think he had an assist and a goal. Uh, and ultimately, they did end up losing control of that game and then eventually the series. But, <clears throat> yeah, that he finally, like, he, for me, it was my first, oh, my God, finally, this guy's game is finding itself in the postseason. It's about damn time. Um you know, as a former, he was a former Hurricanes. We drafted him, uh, I think, when when we were living. That was the Seth Jones year, I want to say. Uh, and he he struggled. He, he was a good player. He showed signs of, of greatness, but he did struggle to keep a consistency in his game throughout the regular season. And we ultimately parted ways with him and, and Noah Hannafin. Um, so I am glad. I, I was glad to see that. I also was enjoying Tyler Toffoli. He looked like he was having a lot of fun this postseason. Uh, you know, Tyler Toffoli as well, and you even mentioned another guy, Hannafin. I, I thought Hannafin had a great postseason. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know what, Anda? I forgot to mention it to you when I was watching him play and once this series ended. But, you know, a Carolina fan looking back at, you know, giving uh, Hannafin away, I would have liked to see them keep him. Um, you know, I think they could have really used him in the Rangers series. Uh, you know, he seems like he's really fit into his role and he's really picked himself up. He, I agree. I, I, I was distraught. I was a little upset when he got traded. Yeah, um, I don't blame but him. But both he, both he and Lynn Holm had attitude issues with the franchise mm-hmm. and, I, and they just didn't get along. I, don't get me wrong, man. I, I would have loved to have had Hannafin instead of Pesci or instead of Shea, um, I, I, I agree. I thought that was a, an opportunity lost, um, but it, it was sort of, I think, a mutual understanding that he just these guys just might not be beneficial to us. Yeah. There's just probably nothing we can do. You know? Yeah, I, I think I remember um, you telling me that as to why they uh, traded both of them away. Uh, they, they both had attitude issues, so it, it made sense to uh to trade him away um but uh 
This series, you know, definitely underwhelming, though. I, I think a lot of people were expecting this to go seven games, and it only went five. Yeah. But, uh, you know, be, because of the way that goaltending was, and it just it, it really didn't allow Calgary to stay in it. Um, Daryl Sutter, I like him as a coach. I really do. Um, but it seemed like he was outcoached in this series uh, against Jay Woodcroft. Um Especially game four. So, or no, I'm sorry, game five. No, actually, no, I was right. It was game four. So game four, this is a must-win game for Calgary. Uh, it's the difference between a 3-1 to one series lead and a 2-2 two, two series. Um, also, keep in mind that um, when you split a series at home, or you, you split those two games at home with uh, the opposing team, you want to make sure that you go into their barn and you split the series or at least do your best to win at least one of those games. So that way it's two, two going into, you know, the fifth game, which would be at your home barn. Um, I thought it was really important to win game four and uh, Markstrom to start the game goes behind the net. He goes to play the puck and he puts it right on Nugent Hopkins stick. Yeah, he, baby. He emptied it. I mean, it's, I know we <clears throat> harp on this a lot and I've heard a lot of people defend goaltenders but i i seriously just don't understand not in the you know, playoffs man yes. not in the playoffs and that yeah. that clip is all you have to watch it was the first goal of the game whether it's the first whether it's the last like uh who did it who was who the i think it was quick on alexander steen in overtime yes. on a power on a power play, play yes, yes. Yes, that was the, that play was the genesis of this pet peeve for me, and and Markstrom is just unfortunately the most recent uh, exactly. person to oblige. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so you know they let that goal in, they panned Daryl Sutter, and he's you know motioning to calm down, calm down, you know, and it just you could tell that it sort of took the sales right out of Calgary. You know, when their goalie gives up a goal like that, players on the bench are probably thinking, here we go. Um, they're probably thinking like, come on, man, like you're setting us behind the eight ball now. You know, there's no reason to do that or there was a better way to play it. Uh, and I, I it, like I said, I, I know that they ended up coming back um, in that game to tie it at three. But, you know, then the fourth goal that they gave up was a goal that, you know, Markstrom probably should have saved but didn't and that goal came with I want to say 337 left in the third um so it's you know similar to what we said about Florida you got to be able to to shut it down and keep the game tied when it's late in the third especially after you coming back uh down three nothing um you know Mike Smith even you know for as bad as a play that Markstrom had in that game giving the puck right to Nugent Hopkins Mike Smith had just as bad of a play uh shorthanded uh, on the power play, Rasmus Anderson just flips the puck up the ice. Uh, Mike, Mike Smith loses sight of it, and it goes right in to tie the game. And at that point, I'm thinking, holy crap, like, you know, this could be a series. If, if Calgary wins right here, this could be a series, and we're right back to the Battle of Alberta. Battle of Alberta, yep. Um, the main you know, stage. <laughs> both for as hyped up as the Battle of Alberta and the Battle of Florida were, they weren't necessarily battles, especially the Florida Massively. one. But both Massively of these were. Underwhelming. Yeah, no, both of these were 
you know, dominations. It was the domination of, of Alberta and the domination of Florida um, with each team, Edmonton and Tampa Bay, showing, um, like I said, how dominant they are and how, how much they truly own their sort of quote-unquote territory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this this series was underwhelming, like you said. Um, the Flames have a lot to do this offseason, um, but mainly they, they have to look at either signing Goudreau or getting something out of him. Uh, he's a UFA and he can go anywhere. There's rumors he might go to uh, Philadelphia, but we'll see in this offseason. Mm. Yeah, he's been linked to Philly. Yep. Um, so we'll see what happens with, with Johnny Goudreau and what the Flames want to do with him. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's just another disappointing for Calgary fans. You know, they finished um, first in their division and and again, they just fall flat. Yep. Uh, it seems like the Calgary way of doing things for the last three years, I'd say, in the postseason. And, you know, that's got to change, especially with the team they have. They they have a good core. They really do. Um, mm-hmm. You just need more out of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, now we'll, we'll go. In, yeah, thank you. Uh, now we'll go into the Colorado Avalanche St. Louis Blues series. And, um, you know, this this series was... I don't lingering. know if boring is. I don't know if boring was the right word. <laughs> lingering is a perfect uh, way to describe it, though. I, yeah. Um, th- this series to me was just me waiting for for Colorado to win. Um, uh-huh. There was no, there was no thought in my mind <clears throat> that St. Louis was going to beat um, Colorado. Uh, I thought Colorado was going to win this series um, in five games. I predicted five, and they almost did, but. They ended up winning it in six. And, um, you know, I know we mentioned it in the last episode, and it, it's we'll definitely have to mention it here, uh, but the whole game three incident with Kadri and uh, um, Bennington, you know, it's mm-hmm. that's going to be a highlight of this series. Uh, I think fame, uh, not Flames fans, Blues fans will look at uh, that sort of incident and say it's the reason why they lost. Um, to me, it's... It didn't matter. Um, right. I, I, I just, the blues are way too of, of a defensively structured team in my eyes. Um, that wild yep. series, they were very high scoring, but outside of Perron um, and Jordan Cairo, where's Ryan O'Reilly with his scoring? Um, you know, where's Tarasenko? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- those, those are two other guys that I'm looking for, for scoring. And they just, they didn't produce, um, and Jordan Bennington, even after game three, he threw a water bottle at Nazem Kadri, um, in, in spite of what happened. And there was an interview I watched of him. It was like a post game interview. Um, and he was being interviewed. I don't know by who, but Jordan Bennington basically said the that booth. he was, he, what's that? It was the booth interviewing. Connery. Oh, oh yes, yes, that's right. Um, but he he saw Nazem Kadri laughing. He saw him smiling, and it made him angry because he said, "I was in a knee brace, and he's laughing and and smiling over there." So I threw a water bottle at him, and he called it a God giving opportunity. And I'm just thinking in my head, like, this Who did Kadri or no, Bennington? no, 
Bennington said that the opportunity to throw the water bottle at water bottle at him was a God given opportunity. Oh, that's uh, interesting. And it's this dude is an actual crybaby. Like a lot of people yes. said that Crosby was, and get you know, to be fair, he is, uh, and he to definitely was. Yes, there's a difference between being a general crybaby and being yes. a crybaby to the refs. I, I would just like to make that. I just, I, I listened to that, that interview and I'm just sitting there. I, I just laughed at him, you know, like it's comical, dude. Your, your famous quote was, do I look nervous? And since that quote, man, I feel like everything lives rent free in your head. Everything does, <laughs> you know, I know you ended up winning the, uh, all the, the cup after that. Yeah. All the yeah. negative, like you can't get rid of it. If you look back at that play too, um, Last episode, I, I mentioned that I thought it was Mikola. It was not Mikola. It was uh, Callie Rosen. Um, Callie Rosen and, and Kadri, again, are fighting for the puck. It's a loose puck. Um, and Cal- Callie Rosen is the one who initially falls into Bennington. And then, right. because Rosen is tied up with Kadri, Kadri then falls on Bennington. So by no means was it intentional. Um, and by no means was... Uh, you know, Kadri looking to injure Bennington. It, it just so happened that he did. Um, and from that point on, like I said, I mentioned rent free with Jordan Bennington, but you know, one player that really just could not get over that was, was David Brown that threw him off his game. Uh, it really did. There was, um, he, he was assessed a, a, a roughing penalty in game four, um, which led to a five on three because Buchnevich cross-checked, Kadri initially, um, after they had had words, they kill the five on three, and you're thinking, perfect. You know, that's a huge momentum swinger. Um, but Kadri scores almost, I'd say, within five seconds after the five on three expires. Yep. And Perron skates by him and tries to give him a phantom elbow, misses. And I saw that live, <laughs> and I immediately told mom, I'm like, watch this replay. Like, he almost elbowed Kadri in the head. Um, so we're trying to watch the right replay and they finally show the replay and, you know, it shows him celebrating. So it's panning on him as a, as a, the, the main focus. And then you can see Perron skate by him. And I'm just like, you're knocked off your game. You're, 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 you're a team's leading He's scorer. He's in your head. He's Kadri in your head. Living run free. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that was a frustrating part about all of this. You know, I, I thought that he had a great series up until that point. Um, and like I said, Billy Huso was, was definitely not going to replace, um, Bennington, but it's not the reason why you guys lost this series. Um, you lost this series because your focus went from beating the Colorado avalanche to beating Nazem Kadri and that did not work. Um, and it, and it took you out of their game. You know, it's, it, and it's upsetting because. When, when you look at it, St. Louis isn't that bad of a team. They just ran into a, a beast that is Colorado. But, you know, you're not going to win all the games. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think you hit it all on the head. Uh, really, the only thing I'll call to attention is game. First of all, I don't remember what game it is, but the game McKinnon had that hat trick. That third goal if you missed it, go look that goal up. That is one of the best goals I have seen from an individual player 
I think I said in at least the last decade, but I mean, that one ranks up there with some really iconic uh, breakaway goals. That play from end to end was just immaculate. And the, and the shot, I think I was saying it in the group chat, each aspect of that play built upon itself and got better and better. The highlight of that play just kept becoming further and further down the line, which meant that he was doing highlight reel things and tasks throughout the entire sequence. Um, so really, that's why I thought that goal was so amazing. Uh, and then the other thing I wanted to say was, man, I thought that they were going to be able to st- I thought that they were going to be able to turn this into a seven game series after stealing game five uh, in Colorado, too. They got to go back to St. Louis for game six. And I was really hoping that they were going to turn this into a series and, you know, not this wouldn't be so boring anymore. Like you said, just waiting for Colorado to finish this out. Right, um, right. But um, but they got in their own heads with it. Yeah, no, it, they they really did. And uh, that that game five win was your to your point. It was an absolute steal. Um, you know, we we in the group chat and even Vanessa gets in on it. Um, the four of us, Greg, Andy, Ryan and I and then Vanessa will we'll all do a uh, Butchie Gross overtime challenge where, you know, you just take one player from each team who you think is going to score. Um, I'm pretty sure Falk was out there. Um, I know somebody said Tarasenko. Obviously, people I think said McKinnon. Um, somebody said Devontae's, which was Vanessa. Vanessa, and yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit! Like I, I'm loving all these these uh, these guesses. And then who ends it is is Tyler Bozak. And I just I texted him yeah. as soon as he scored. I'm like, freaking Bozak! Like of all <laughs> guys, it's him. But you know, when when those kind of guys score, it's definitely a huge uplift to the rest of the team because yeah. You know, it's it's not a Ryan O'Reilly. It's not a, a, a Tarasenko. Tarasenko. It's not your per- Perons that have to score. You know, they, they can they could have taken that night off and uh, allowed Bozak to, to score. Um, one thing I also wanted to mention was um, Pavel Buchnevich, who uh, St. Louis acquired from the Rangers in a trade with Sammy Blay. Uh, he had 11 points. Great series out of 12 total games he played. He had 11 points, but only one goal. That's something I want to focus on because he was specifically uh, picked up for his goal scoring. And they did not get that in the playoffs with only his one goal. Uh, you know, it's a tough look for him. Um, maybe if he was more on, uh, you know, he, he could have. Maybe if he was more Perron. Yeah, if he was more like Perron, this this series probably does go seven games. but. Unfortunately, they they weren't able to to bring it to a seven. And um, you know, again, Huso. I think a lot of a lot of Blues fans, you know, they're upset with the way that Huso played. Um, and he definitely let in, you know, some soft goals for sure. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, what, um, what, can you know, what, what about the team in front of you? Exactly. Yeah. You know? What can you expect from a guy coming off the bench halfway through game three? Yes, exactly. You know, and the point I'm trying to make with the, with the team in front of him is that team should be able to, you know, take the pressure off of him and, and score some goals. Bail him out a little. Bail yeah. him out. Exactly. It's it goes both ways, you know. Um, and unfortunately, the Blues weren't able to do that. Uh, Colorado eventually ends up winning this series. And again, we also didn't mention it, but, you know, we could probably end on this note. Uh, but similar to what 
Tampa did to Florida in game two is exactly the way that game six ended for yes. uh, St. Louis. That's, that's and what this, I failed to mention. The, as soon as Colorado tied the game, I had this bizarre feeling it was going to go down exactly like Tampa. It was so absurd. It was so surreal. And that's exactly how it went down. It was, I think, a couple extra seconds more than yes. Tampa left on the clock. But, I mean, it was almost a carbon copy. Yeah. And again, you know, the previous uh, the previous game, the overtime winner, the game winner was Tyler Bozak. And the guy who ends the St. Louis uh, playoff run was not Nathan McKinnon. It was not Mikol Rantanen. <laughs> it was not Gabriel Landeskog. It was Darren Helm, who I, I remember telling you, I think even the group chat, I'm like, I thought that guy retired a Red Wing. I didn't know he was still playing. Like, it was crazy that, that his line was out there. First of all, with five seconds left, uh, sometimes, you know, I yeah. know the teams like to play pretty uh, conservatively with that late of a, of a game with it tied, but now he... Um, Jarrett Bednar said, screw it, let's put that helm line on. He did, and it paid dividends. They ended up winning the series uh, because of it. But I just, I was shocked to to find out that Darren Helm was, uh, you know, still playing. Oh, nice. I, I thought he had retired. <laughs> Let alone scoring goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, full credit to, to uh, Colorado here. And, um, you know, again, even to St. Louis, I know they lose, but I thought they had a. I thought they put up a pretty good fight against a, a very tough Colorado Definitely. team. Um, you know that this was a team who swept Nashville, which everybody was expecting. But that's it's a tough team to beat. Is what Colorado was, uh, and they they tried. But um, we'll now get into the last series, and this series, I I think the I think we're both gonna have a lot to say here. <laughs> um, this is the New York Rangers Carolina Hurricane series. Um. And if you want to start, and because it's your team, by all means, sure. go ahead. Sure. So first, I do want to address the Rangers side of the house. Well, well done. Very well fought series. Uh, Zabanajad. I know I've mentioned it on the cast. I think that guy's overrated. But uh, this regular season and really this postseason, I had to shut up about that guy. Guy looked great. I would have loved to have had him on my team. Um, Kreider took a nap for the six games, first six games, and uh, woke up totally rejuvenized for, for game seven, which is when they needed him most. So shout out to the captain for that. And honestly, Shosturkin, I've said this quote already, I'll say it again. He's everything I would would love to have as far as goaltending goes in Carolina. So, um you know, ultimately, I think there was a large portion of this series being lost on Carolina's end. Um, but to the Rangers' credit, they did do a lot uh, to to make it that were to make it so that we are the ones who are losing our series. Uh, they did what they needed to do and won all their games at home. Um, and and as they say, Game Seven, anything goes. But to the Carolina side of the house, man, it is. I said it before we started recording, but you look back on the 2019 run, first run in the playoffs since we since uh, 2009. So that was the first playoff in 10 years. That was a magical run. Uh, 
everything that happened in round one was everything I could have asked for our first playoff run in that long of a time. Uh, and we ended up getting to sweep the Islanders on top of it and go to the Eastern conference finals. But if you recall, they got swept by Boston that year, the following year we met with Boston, I believe. Yeah. I think we met Boston the second year, uh, in the second round, we got essentially swept. That was a four, one series, uh, Similar to the year prior, they they just when they leave, they just seem to fall flat. Um, they didn't do that entirely this series, but uh, they went the full seven. But they didn't do a damn thing uh, during game three, four, and five to make it easy on themselves. Uh, you you let Boston hang around for seven games. And I was concerned that Boston was going to steal game seven and they didn't. Um, but you, you don't need to be in a seven game series with Boston in 2022. I hate to break it to you, but after those first two games, you were rolling and you should have at least taken one in Boston. And when they didn't win game three and I had tickets to game four, I was excited because I thought that was going to be the game that they did it. But as we all know, they continued to only win at home especially for that series. And you're just giving a team the opportunity to take the series from you, especially when you're the better team on paper, when you're the better team for just for the, for the collective amount of years that have been going by, we're farther ahead on our rebuild than New York is. We should be able to put our thumbs down on them. Um, and they never, they never did that. And when they were away, it wasn't even the fact that they weren't winning away games. They just weren't showing up to away games, man. I mean, and the other thing about this is, and I'll, I'll shift here because I'll talk forever if I don't. Let me shift to the offense. The offense has not shown up. It's just Trocek putting in goals. It's just Turbo putting in goals. I think Niederreiter was contributing a decent amount. And then other than that, it was your defense. I mean, Brandon Smith was your game-winning goal scorer uh, in game two on <clears throat> the shorthand. Oh, and that's another thing. The power play, you mentioned Florida's being as terrible as, as it is. Our, sh- our p- penalty kill outscored our power play. Need I say more? And then lastly, the goaltending. I... I, I toyed with whether I want to hit this or not and I do because and I was forewarning about this when they let Nadelkovic go they gave an extra half million to Freddie Anderson and also picked up on Toronto and what was I concerned about well first of all their age and their lack of any ability to be an elite goaltender neither of these guys have given us seasons where I have felt that way and I don't think when they're either, you know, when they're pushing their 30s or in their early 30s is the season that they're going to do that for us. Anderson played fantastically. Ronta played better than he, need, than, he, than he needed to throughout the regular season. And I thank them for that. That was an awesome 1A, 1B performance. If Anderson didn't get hurt, you know, he could have probably been in the Vesna Trophy uh, discussion. But I mentioned he got hurt. Let's go back and watch where he got hurt in the regular season. Was it a was it a play like Nazem Kadri had where he was falling on Bennington? Was it uh, a quick lateral pass? That he, no, 
he was just coming around his net and across his crease and tripped on his goalpost and sprained like his hamstring or something. And Ronta gets injured in the playoffs. And or, well, Ronta was already injured during the regular season, comes back for the playoffs and is playing pr- presumably injured. And you honestly think that's going to get you through a playoff run? A playoff run that could incorporate a Tampa Bay Lightning, a Florida Panther, New York Ranger, a Colorado Avalanche, an Edmonton Oiler. You're not going to beat those teams with Auntie Ranta and Freddie Anderson. I know that's brutal. I know that's maybe mean, but it's also a fact in my eyes. And so, and then the worst part about this is to see Shesterkin on the other side, to see New York committing to the project plan as far as goaltending goes that I would have liked the Canes to do irks me. And it irks me for a personal reason, nothing against the Rangers. I completely admire what they're doing and, and I'm envious of it, but why couldn't Carolina try that on it on on Nadalkovich? Why did they have to give that extra half million to Freddie Anderson instead? And Kochetkov is a Russian kid. Uh, they good, they did a nice comparison of him and Shosturkin at the start of the series. Uh, maybe even the start of the Bruins series. It, it might have been like just an overall NHL thing. But Shosturkin and Kochetkov are pretty similar guys. And Shosturkin is essentially just four years older than than Kochetkov. So I know he had a rough outing in the Boston series, and he took that L. But uh, that was in TD Garden. When we returned to Carolina, I would have, I honestly, I, I will criticize Rod Brendamore. I would have liked to have seen Kochetkov a little bit more, especially before the Rangers series, because I would have rather ridden his coattails throughout this playoff. I would have rather him had the opportunity to find something within himself before the Rangers series started so that he was at least an option to be looked at. Um, because the series with Boston, I, I wasn't as concerned as the series against the Rangers, and I'm willing to be a little bit more risky for a reward down the road. Um, Ultimately, where I'm landing on this, and I'll share my honest opinion, I think it's time we part ways with Don Waddell. I think a new reor, you know, a, a new rebuild needs to be considered. I think there are very, uh, there's a very small amount of guys on this team that I, I feel have a pass as far as being on the team next year or in the short term. Um, and if you're curious of who they are, it's Jacob Slavin. Obviously, I think he's the one of the. I think he is the number one defenseman in the NHL as far as being a defenseman goes. He is the cream of the crop. And he can stay. I'm on the fence about Aho. I'd like for him to have some good personal discussions with Rod, with Don Waddell, um, because a lot of guys didn't show up in from the offense, but he is the face of our offense. He's the face of our organization. He needs to be better. Jordan Stahl, if he wants to stay, can certainly stay. That man can have any amount of uh, years extension as he would like, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be going that way. And then other than him, Trocek has a spot on the team in my eyes, and Teravainen has a spot on the team in my eyes. And it ends there. Everybody else is questioning. Everybody else has some 
uh, faults that they need to address and they need to overcome because this team hits the playoffs and everybody everybody just seems to fall off. And maybe the problem is the goaltending in that you're not getting solid goaltending. And maybe that lets the team sort of lull, et cetera. But something's got to be done. I mean, you've done nothing but decline as far as exiting the playoff goes since 2019. And it's essentially a very, very similar team all the way through. Uh, whether that's identical players that are that are on or a core set of guys that are on all each set of playoff team, or whether it's a goaltending model that's the that's common across all the uh, all the all the playoff exits, uh, the model isn't working anymore, and and it's time to start addressing that because I don't want to waste four you know three four more years on some of these guys' contracts just doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a ring out of it. I'm, I'm fed up with it. I'll, I'll, I think I'll end it there. I'll, I'll turn it over to you if you've got anything to say. Well, you know what, Ann? I'm giving you a standing ovation <laughs> right now, and I want an encore. I think I, think I hear everybody in the uh, audience saying an encore. Well, thanks. Um, before I get into what I'll say in this series, um, I respect your view of the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I pride myself on not being a pessimist, not being an optimist, but somebody who's a realist. Yeah, um, me too. I don't like to look at a situation and try and always find the positives out of it. Uh, and obviously, I don't like to look at a situation and only focus on the negatives. All I want to do is be able to look at a situation and go, how can I improve? Um, exactly. Am I going to get better? Are things going to get better? Are they going to get worse? You know, and if so, how can or what can we do in order to, you know, either prevent things getting worse or in order to do things to allow them to keep getting better? Um, I was shocked uh, to hear uh, that the guys you want to stay, but I respect the hell out of it. Um, I think where you're at right now is maybe not so much where Leafs fans are. But certainly, uh, you know, there are Leafs fans that after a numerous amount of uh, first round exits, especially in the more recent years, um, they were they called for Mitch Marner's head. They called for Mitch Marner's head. Um, the series against Montreal was their last straw with him. Um, like I said, it started his his 12 game uh, goal scoring drought that he had um, in game six. He was the reason why there was a delay penalty, a delay of game penalty called on him that allowed, uh, I believe, Montreal to tie the game. I'm kind of, um, my memory's a little off about that, but I know that his delay of game, uh, and I think it was even late in that game too. Pretty sure the, it was late in that game and uh, it allowed Montreal to tie it. But like I said, my memory's a little hazy. Um, I hope somebody out there can can remember that incident. But um, you know, <clears throat> after that series and after that uh, specific game, you know, they got eliminated after being uh, up three to one in the series, and people people went after Mitch Marner. And what you do, what you're feeling about Aho, I think, is what Leafs fans started to feel about some of their big four players who just weren't showing up. And I, I respect the hell out of it, I really do. Um, Aho is your face of the offense, like you mentioned, and he came up short in this series. Uh, and and 
you just can't have that happen to a guy who's your number one offensive guy. Um, you can definitely get return for him. I don't know if you want to trade him. Uh, you know, I think obviously a talk with Brendan Moore and Waddell needs to happen with him. Um, I do like that approach. Uh, and, you know, you, you guys signed him to some big money too. Not right. as much as you know Mitch Marner, but he's, I'm pretty sure you're number uh, one most paid player. So I, you want I to think see- once Stahl's contract expires, I think Tahoe jumps to one. Okay. It's like six and a half. It's pretty comparable to Cook and Yemi too. Okay. They were uh, both offer sheet guys. <clears throat> but what you're doing right now as a fan after your team has, has had these sort of uh, playoff runs that they've had and all these exits that they've had, you know, it's, you've, you've been able to digest, look at this and be able to, you know, like I said, look at it like a realist, not, Oh man, but you know, Hey, at least we, at least we, you know, did a, had a great regular season or, Oh man, I can't believe we didn't get past the second round. You know, you're just looking at it through a perspective where you can, you can be real. You know, right. since Wayne Gretzky, he, he was traded from the Edmonton Oilers to the L.A. Kings. No player is safe after that. You know, anybody can be exactly. traded. It doesn't matter who you are. That opened the exactly. door. You know, that opened and the door. So I really respect your approach on who stays and anybody else goes. I I, I like that a lot, honestly. Um, and I think yeah. not a lot of GMs take that approach because they obviously want to try and keep that core together. They, they're very afraid and, of losing a core player. And here's the thing, dude. And that's why I prep. That's why I made the statement before that saying Waddell has to go because he's not going to be the GM who's willing to do that. What I, what I shared, which is take a look at Svechnikov, take a look at Natchez, take a look at, you know, Oh, some other, like Kokaniemi. I mean, I know that we just made that offer sheet and everything, but nobody should be off the trade block right now. And guys who have contracts coming up better present a pretty damn good case, or if they want to stay, because they all seem like they're having fun. They all seem like they get along, like they all want to win a championship. But come playoff time, it just doesn't translate through the television, and. Leafs fans have the have the issue where they just aren't winning a single playoff series, uh, and I have that benefit of not being in that situation. And I'm not calling for Ajo's head per se, but I'm calling for a level of criticism to be bought, brought to this team now that I think is warranted. This was the season to go off. This was the season that nothing short of an Eastern Conference Final appearance leaning toward a championship, leaning on erring toward the side of an Eastern Conference championship should have fallen short on. Um, Man, I keep bringing up a point that I want to make and it keeps slipping my mind before uh, I make. Oh, the point I was wanting to make is the only way, the only way I wanted Carolina to come out of that series because after it was 2-2, I knew for a fact we were going to game seven and I knew for a fact we were probably going to lose game seven if it went that far. So the only way I I foresaw them winning that series at that point was to take it in MSG to shut the door before it was even open 
And then that was going to be the only way that they would be able to then snap into it was the only way that they were going to have a chance to snap into reality in order to then beat Tampa. I still wasn't going to be very confident in that. And so part, I think I said it in the group chat. I was hoping that they lost. I was hoping that they lost in MSG because they just are not, they were not ready to face Tampa for a second. I think a second year in a row now is what it would have been. Last year would have been the first round. I think if I'm, if my memory serves me and this year would have been the Eastern conference finals that we got handed an exit by, by Tampa Bay because they were not going to beat Tampa Bay. If they squeaked one out against New York, well and good. But, I mean, they they squeaked it out with Boston. That's the first sign of, of issue that I have here. Right. That, that should have been a five-game series. You should have at least stolen game three or four in Boston, and you would have been able to close it in Carolina in game five. So, yeah, I, I I took two days off. I did not watch game one of either conference finals. I had to step away. I, I was so furious uh, the night that they lost. It was I shut it off after the second period. I would have shut it off sooner uh, if I was watching it alone. Probably I texted the group chat as soon as the first goal went in that the game is over. I texted Alex and said GGS. I mean, <laughs> the writing was on the wall. It really was, and and that's sort of the most disappointing part of it is that every single playoff exit they have, the writing is on the walls so early in the series, and and I'm getting so fed up with that. That's yeah. not the mentality. That's not the characteristics of champions. Yeah, um, I'll similar to what you did. You you focused on the Rangers, and then you went into Carolina. I'll I'll do that now. Um, there's not too much to add with what you said about the Rangers. Um, you gave praise to Zabinajad, Kreider, and um, Shesterkin, um, even though Kreider, again, you said was asleep for six uh, games in that series, but at least he showed up uh, in game seven when it was needed the most. Um, that's exactly what you want to see, and he, he was able to do that. I want to focus on, uh, I still want to focus on the same three people um, that I even mentioned in the last episode which was the kid line, the KID line um, of Philip Heedle, uh, Alexi Lafreniere, and Capo Caco. Um, the youngest player on that line is Lafreniere, who's 20 years old. Then Capo Caco's 21, and Heedle is 22. Um, I'm 22 years old, so it's crazy to see a guy like Heedle in the NHL, and obviously those two other guys that are younger being able to just perform this well in the playoffs they're the they're um new york's third line but they might it might as well be their their second line really i mean i i think they've been out playing that panarin um strom and I believe cop line I believe that's that's uh, new york's uh second line um if i'm gerard gallant i'm giving more ice time to those three guys um th- they really seem to to come in their own lately, especially Heedle. And uh, similar to what you were saying about Zivinijad, where you thought he was overrated, um, I thought Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere were busts. Now, I know it's very early to look at um, both those guys, especially Lafreniere, but uh, for being number one overall picks, you got to be able to perform. Um, and I just feel like neither of those Caco guys needs have. To step it up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Kako, I would. I'll jump on that. Kako needs to make a difference. 
Yeah. Uh, really, that's the only criticism I have of New York. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, they as well as Carolina didn't show up on the road, but uh, you're not the beast who needs to be beaten. So you don't have to show up on the road until it until it's make or break. And <laughs> they did, man. They're, they're good. They're a good team. We've been saying that for a while now. Um, yep. But yeah. I think this really is the proof in the pudding, especially if you've seen game one. I looked at the the score sheet there, despite not watching. Yeah. Um, so, so I have to give those guys a lot of praise. Uh, you know, they're they're playing at a high level right now. Um, and again, I hate to always mention these other games because it's not the second round. But Heedle had a great game one against uh, Tampa and that whole line did against Tampa yesterday. Um, another player that I forgot to mention last episode as well, um, but I'm going to mention him here now that New York was obviously able to move on. Frank Vetrano, um, who was acquired at the deadline from Florida, has had a great series, um, a great playoffs for the Rangers. Um, he has 15 games played with four goals, six assists, 10 points. Uh, he's playing on that top line with uh, Zabinajad and Kreider. Um, He's also on the second uh, pair of New York's uh, power play line um, and had a power play goal in games. I don't know if it was six or seven in that Carolina series, but um, it's just insane that the way that those guys are playing, uh, you know, it's, it's, I mentioned it before. I just think that a lot of their sort of under the radar players like Vetrano and like the, the kid line that I mentioned, um, they're really stepping it up. And, you know, when Mika Zabinijad and Chris Kreider are playing the way that they're playing right now, um, you know, it's, it's really, really uplifting to see those young it's players. Scary. Yeah. And it is scary, scary. if you're other um, teams. And, and, you know, last night, I, again, I hate to mention it, but I, I'm going to, they beat Tampa Bay six to two. And I told my friend who's a Rangers fan, I said, do not underestimate this New York Rangers team. I'm not after game one. I'm not trying to say that the Rangers are going to win that series against Tampa Bay. I'm not trying to say that, you know, New York's going to run away in that series, but putting up six goals against Vasilevsky, the way he was playing, putting up six goals, um, you know, against that, that, back-to-back Stanley Cup champion team was a damn statement in game one. I'll say that. Yeah. You know, again, I'm not trying to say that there's any expectations for this Rangers team, but um, Heedle was on hat-trick alert. He had two goals that were really clutch goals for the Rangers. Um, his line just went off yesterday. Um, I believe Artemi Panarin scored, who I mentioned. He um, did. Yes. Okay, thank you. I, I thought he scored. Um, Artemi Panarin scored. I also told that same friend, I said, if Artemi Panarin picks up his game, because he did have an underwhelming series, I thought, against Carolina Hurricanes, if he can pick it up, if he can improve his game, and, you know, Heedle, Lafreniere, and Capococco play the way they're playing, Sabin and Jack Kreider play the way they're playing, you know, th- there is a good chance to at least see this team go to the cup and beat Tampa. Again, I'm not trying to say that it happens, but you can't blame anybody for looking at it that way. Uh, it's it's insane. And again, you mentioned Shesterkin. When you have a goaltender who's playing that insane, he's given his team a hell of a chance to win. And he, he yeah. did so in last night's game one against, I know you didn't watch that game, 
but it was pure domination and from the start. Um, they scored within. I don't doubt I that. S- they they scored within twenty, I think twenty one seconds into the game. Kreider had a goal. You know, Madison yep. Square Garden erupts. But after that, they're big. Tampa's, they're big. And, and 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 Tampa they bounced back. I give them credit. They bounced back after that. They dominated after the first period, and they they were able to tie the game. Um, but from that point on, you know, Rangers took over that series. Uh, it, it is just insane. Um, to see the way that this, this New York Rangers team is playing. Um, Adam Fox, again, another player who, uh, you know, has, has really stepped up his game. Uh, I, I have so much love for all these players. I'm looking at their score sheets. Um, Keandre Miller is another, I love the grit that he shows. Um, I believe he's paired with Jacob Truba. And, you know, if I'm a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, I'm not going to act up on the ice when Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba are, are, you know, the defensive pairing uh, on the ice, you know, so if I'm Pat Maroon, I'm probably waiting until maybe Adam Fox is on the ice, or maybe if uh, um, uh, uh, Braden Schneider is on the ice, you know, one of those guys who's who's still a yeah. bit young, you know, but Keandre Miller and Jacob. And you're not going to get that matchup. You're not going to get that matchup in New York because nope. New York is choosing the matchups, you know, so mm-hmm. you have a very limited amount of time to be able to have any to be able to have those guys that you want on the guys that need to be covered. Yep. So. Yeah. And, and Jacob Truba, man, he hits hard. Ask Max, ask Max Domi, ask Seth Jarvis. This guy can hit hard. Um, Ryan, Ryan Lindgren is a defenseman who doesn't matter. You know, he'll put his body right in front of the puck, yep. uh, you know, and, and he's a very Truba physical was a guy. Big shot blocker too. Truba, uh, man. They're paying him, and uh, they, you know, it's he was criticized after this offseason for getting the money that he got, um, and I, it's very warranted. But with the way he's playing with this Rangers team, man, um, this this is why you want to see him get paid. I think the eight and a half million he's getting paid. Um, yeah. I'll quickly look that up, but you know, I, I have so much praise for this uh, New York Rangers team. Uh, this this was a team that, like I said. Uh, you know, they 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 seemed young and experienced. I think a lot of people underestimated them. They fell down 3-1 against Pittsburgh, and everybody was saying, um, especially after Shesterkin got pulled after those two games in in, uh, in that series, I think a lot of people were like, oh, you know, looks like Shesterkin's maybe a little bit overrated. Uh, right. That narrative is gone. That narrative is gone. Um, they They were able to beat the Canes, which was definitely a tough task for them. Um, and here they are. They're up one nothing against Tampa, and who would have seen that coming? Um, but I'll give enough praise for for the Rangers there, and just quickly go into to Carolina. Um, you know, again, you you harped on it a lot, but one player I really took uh, issue with was Andrei Svechnikov. Um, but before I go further, it, Truba is not getting paid eight and a half; he's getting paid eight. Um, he signed that contract, I believe, last. Oh no, he signed that July nineteenth, twenty nineteen. So that's been in effect for three years now. Um, but um, you know, going back to Andrei Svechnikov, I, I was really disappointed with the series he had against um, the New York Rangers. You know, he scored. Uh, what was so frustrating too is um, ESPN. I don't like their broadcasts. Everybody knows that. I think. 
I know you know that, Andy, and I know that the group chat that we have does not enjoy <laughs> uh, ESPN broadcasts. Um, and what was bugging me about the way that they were covering this Rangers um, Carolina spirit series, especially the Svechnikov, um, they kept saying, oh, he has 30 goals in the regular season. And it's just like, I don't care about the Shut regular up season. about the regular season. Yeah. yeah. I don't care about the regular season when we're in the second round of the postseason. Um, Svechnikov is not scoring. You don't need to mention how, uh, you know, he has 30 goals in the regular season. I do not care. You know, play the, the Mike Tomlin, we do not care um, interview because it's, it's, it's old. You know, that narrative is gone. It, this is not the regular season. This it doesn't matter if he scored one goal in the regular season. It doesn't matter if he scored 200 goals in the regular right. season. It, it's not right. doing anything for your postseason. Right. Know? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and you know, <clears throat> at the time when you guys were struggling against uh, uh, the Rangers and it looked like this uh, – the series was taking its turn. Um, I didn't want to mention it to you, but yeah, Svechnikov was definitely a player that I had probably the biggest harp with on this team. Um, My biggest player's harping was Tony D'Angelo. I think that that signing I understand is a league minimum, but I don't care. That guy, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if he's on the team for free. He is one of the biggest liabilities to us as a franchise. And I'm not talking about his attitude. I'm not talking about his persona. I'm talking about the sheer fact that he heads a power play and does moves like like he does. I mean, he he has moments where it seems like, are you trying to generate a, an impactful power play here? Or are you just trying to kill time? Because you look like you're doing the latter. And in doing, the, in doing that, you create liabilities. You create massive liabilities, both in the play, in the moment, there's a liability. And also across the entire length of the game, you are waste, you, even if you waste 25 seconds, if you do that five times on the power play, you know, that's, that's over, that's almost three minutes of the game. And three mm-hmm. minutes of the game is, is valuable. Yeah. So, and, um, that so I, up you know, there, though. No, yeah, yeah, I no, he I, was I, man. I, he was, he was. Um, I noticed that after uh, game three, he was making, he made four blind passes, just mm-hmm. throwing the puck away at the other uh, end of the ice or the other side of the ice, you know. And it's just, I don't know what you're doing, man. You know, nobody's it's, there. You're, it's, it's just frustrating because I know he's better than that. I know he, he has a better sense of the game than. Oh, let me just throw this puck to the other side and hope that somebody's there. I know you have a better sense of the game than that. He has a maturity problem. Yes. And it's not it's not as bad as Skinner's was when he was in Carolina, but you know, he <clears throat> he's contributing. He contributed as, okay, so essentially from that hit on Lindholm in the Boston series, from that point on, he was essentially invisible which kind of sucks because that hit was clean that hit was massive that hit was in boston if i'm not mistaken uh and that could have been one hell of a momentum generator just for him one hell of a confidence generator just for him and it wasn't and yeah 
and he's the kind of guy and you know because they are referencing all those stats during the, the regular season it's to be said that if you can do that in the regular season you can take control of the game during the postseason and he just wasn't doing that to your credit even if it wasn't blind passes they were he was forcing passes to happen at times too he was yeah. electing not to shoot um and he's he's a shooter plain and simple he's he's contribute oh what i meant to say was he's contributing to the team this postseason specifically the rangers series about as much as he was in that series against washington when he elected to fight over alexander ovechkin yes you know yep. it, it's it's very comparable situ- like contributions to the team as far yeah. as that moment and this series performance go in my opinion yeah yeah and then I have two other players that I'll harp on for a little bit. Um, Marty Natchez, zero goals yeah. in 14 games. Jesper Kakaniemi, zero goals in 14 games. Um, I I think my um, – let me try and word this correctly. I think my sort of last straw with Don Waddell was the Kakaniemi uh, contract. I – I had no idea why he signed him to that contract. Um, at the time, it was a clear overpayment for him. Um, I don't know if he maybe saw that Montreal wasn't developing him well enough. So he said, screw it, I'm going to take a risk on him um, and bring him to Carolina and see what he can do for us. But I just, I do not like it. Um, and I, I've been critical of Kakanyemi. Uh, I know he had a great postseason last season when he was with Montreal, but it's it's six point one million dollars uh, for the next eight years, and it's for, for what zero goals in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure his regular season was just as bad. Um, you know, it's it's not a great start to that contract, and gosh, it's, I hope that that contract isn't. I hope he can get better. I'm not. What's What's so aggravating about it is that he's he's a fourth liner, too. Yes. Yeah, and no. I I attribute I attribute some of his offensive woes to that reason. But again, you're paying a guy to be on the fourth line for six million dollars. Why? Why? Yes. Yes. And for me, the final straw is this D'Angelo. I, I'm okay with the Kokaniemi offer sheet, even at the time that it happened. I'm okay with it. I, I, I might not agree with it, but I'm willing to see that one out more so than I am willing to see out this D'Angelo minimum, minimum league minimum, because D'Angelo, if if you if you don't know, <clears throat> D'Angelo was going to be the Dougie Hamilton replacement. And he hasn't even come close. He hasn't even he hasn't even scratched the surface of replacing Dougie Hamilton. And I know Dougie Hamilton became a very expensive player. I think he's a nine and a half million dollar defenseman now. But again, you get that money back from that Kokaniemi offer sheet. You have a little bit of money from D'Angelo. You can make a Hamilton contract work, in my opinion, which would have been a much more reliable one, even with his with his injury concerns. Yes. And I actually, uh, I went on a walk uh, alone yesterday after jury duty, um, just to kind of clear my mind. I had a tough day yesterday at jury duty. We looked at a lot of cases. And 
you know, to get my mind off of it, I, I, I focused on Natchez and I really did. And for this whole walk, I was thinking in my head, you know, what about him just doesn't seem to be fitting in with Carolina? You know, um, I wouldn't say he's a bad player in Carolina. You know, he's had good seasons, but this season especially uh, showed that he's struggling in Carolina. Um, 14 goals in 78 games played. He had 40 points, which is not bad. You know, that that's really good. He had a good 20 or 25 game goal drought too. I'll add. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I thought, what about this player is allowing him to struggle in Carolina? And I thought it's got to be Rod Brendamore's system. Um, you know, the system that he plays is a very defensive heavy team um, with really only a couple guys that, uh, that are your top goal scorers. Looking at your guys' top goal scorers, you only had two 30 goal scorers this season being Aho and, and uh, Svechnikov. Mm-hmm. Nino Ryder had 24, Tavo Teravainen had 22, and Trocek had 21. Outside of that, you're below uh, 20 goals. So it's a it's a team that is more known for their defense, um, but yeah. they're still able to put uh, pucks Rangers, behind that. Rangers and Carolina were the top two teams for goals yes. against. Yes, and the stat that showed that, by the way, was um, goals against average, I think, for uh, your – the, like the team stats. I don't, I don't think goals against average is the right term for it or uh, goals allowed. That's the one I'm trying to think of. Yeah. Goals against. you have. Yeah. Goals against. Um, that's the stat that shows they were the top two defensive teams. Um, and, you know, so, so they've been known to be a very good defensive team, but then I thought, well, you know what? Um, look at the New York your offense goes cold. Right. In, in Look at the New York situation. Islanders. Two years in a row, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and faced the Lightning and fell short against the Lightning uh, after both those years. And, you know, Trotz gets fired after this season for not making the playoffs. Not even trying to say that Brendan Moore should get fired at all. But all I'm trying to make is I thought this season, maybe that defensive scheme in uh, – New York just didn't work. I know they had a lot of issues with COVID. I know they had a lot of issues with scheduling because of it. Um, a lot of a lot of players were out due to COVID. So, you know, there was a lot of factors that uh, contributed to New York being uh, bad this season. But overall, you know, maybe New York just looked at themselves and said, either we want uh, a team that's more offensive you know, more productive and not so defensive heavy. And so they got rid of Barry Trotz. Um, I think at least specifically with Marty Natchez and even Kakaniemi, you know, those guys definitely, you know, could benefit from being in a different system that's so defensive heavy. Because like I said, you guys only had two 30-goal scorers. Um, that's not a lot. Uh, and those 30-goal scorers struggled in the postseason to score as well, which in the postseason, a lot of guys – and a lot of teams play more defensive anyway. Um, they're typically not very high-scoring games. But, I mean, this postseason has been a completely outlier simply because goaltenders just either show up or not. So, you know, I, I think that Marty Natchez, he's, he's a restricted free agent. And yesterday I was thinking about it, and I'm like, man, maybe 
if you're uh, Carolina, maybe you let him walk. Maybe you let somebody offer sheet him and don't match the offer sheet so you can get the picks that would be involved. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, 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 I was I was personally ready to do that um, yesterday. I had that talk and I thought he's just not fitting in. You know, he was expected to be um, one of your top goal scorers or at least better than, you know, 14 goals. Uh, he hasn't shown that. I mean, for God's sakes, Jesper Faust had 14 goals this season. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that's not that, good. Oh, I, I failed to mention, I will include that whole line, the Stahl, Niederreiter, Foss line. Those yes. guys have a pass to be on the team next year. That that line was the only set of guys, aside from Slavin and Pesci, who showed up this playoff season. Pesci underperformed, but the guy did show up. The guy did put, I think, his best effort in. Um, and I'll and I saw include those guys on next year's squad as well. But yeah, what I was trying to allude at was exactly what you just summarized: is what can we get for Marty Nate just now? Because he's not doing it for us anymore, and he still has value. I think he still has value. I think there's teams who would still be willing to take a chance on him. Um, one caveat I would add to the goal differential thing is that Islanders were running. Even though, you know, the, I know that the Islanders were very defensive heavy. Carolina, very defensive heavy, too. Uh, you know, one of the best. I'm looking through it. If, yeah, if New York is the other. So <laughs> Carolina only led in 202 goals this year. And Rangers are right behind them, 207. The problem with the Islanders was they were running a break-even scheme. And their differential was very low. It was like less than 20, I think, each year which essentially means you're tick for tack on goals for and against the entire season. You're really relying on your defense to win you those games to get you to the postseason. Carolina isn't quite a one-for-one team like that. They're 278 goal four. So they are up there as far as goal scoring goes. But you look at the teams that are ahead of them in goal scoring, and they're the teams that are still around, right? Uh, You have uh, Tampa with 287. You have Colorado with 312, even the St. Louis Blues at 311, the Minnesota Wild at 310, um, and even other teams like Florida and Toronto are well over 300 goals. So there is a lack in offense. I I think for as good as this team is defensively, you bring up a very good point in that Mm -hmm. maybe they are struggling offensively a little, and And, and it's sort of being overshadowed. And it's... it's, um... To your point earlier where you mentioned um, maybe rebuilding, um, and I to be to clarify, and I have to give credit to the hockey guy on this because, you know, there's something, there's a rebuild, but then there's also a retool. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like Carolina is more going to retool rather than rebuild, obviously. Um, a better example of a rebuild would be the Boston Bruins. Um, that would be an example of a team I would see rebuild more. So you guys just need to retool. And how do you retool? Well, you need picks and, you know, picks are more rebuilding, but picks can turn into, you know, prospects and players that, that can perform for you guys in the future. And, you know, I think that what you guys lack is more young scorers, you know, Aho and Svechnikov. What? No, I w- I think what we lack is a guy who can score at will. We lack yeah, a Nathan McKinnon. Fair. We yeah. lack a Connor McDavid. 
we lack a guy who can step up and be clutch at a good up at a good point in time to be clutch. That's what we lack, in my opinion, because if we had that guy, there's so many instances where I feel like we could have turned the table just in this one moment, and then maybe the entire team would have generated momentum from that, and it would be a totally different story. We lack a playmaker like a McKinnon, yeah. like a Matthews, yeah. like a McDavid uh, when it comes down to it. That's fair. I don't know. I, and here's the thing. If they retool, I'm okay with retooling, but can we please commit to this Kachetkov guy? That's yeah. the if nothing else happens this year, if Waddell stays, please can we commit to to to, to Kov? And can we please get him somebody? Or if we don't commit to him, can we get somebody like a UC Soros or a Steve Ottinger? Please. Jake because, Ottinger. <laughs> Jake Ottinger, thank you. Please, because uh, if Ottinger was on this team, this isn't even a discussion. I don't even think we're talking no. right now nope. about about. Uh, yeah, thank you. I'm glad. Thank you for affirming that. <laughs> no, yeah, That's absolutely. <laughs> um, Jake Ottinger. I thought I heard rumors that he yes, his contract is up, but I don't. He's yeah, an you RFA. And I that. Yeah, no, right. he's an RFA. So nobody. I mean. I'll Let's look at a little RFA. Scratch my back, scratch yours. You take Natchez, we'll take out. <laughs> you, you guys need you know scoring. What? What's so Badly. funny? That's actually funny because I feel like uh, Natchez would look better in a green jersey. <laughs> like, not even kidding. I really, I feel like he would Just look better. Just aesthetically. Yeah, aesthetically. Yeah. Um, Andre might and look better. Yes, yeah. Hawk and Pod looked phenomenal going to those green unis. Yes, exactly. So maybe I can get behind that. Yeah, (laughs) I like that idea though. You know, you offer sheet, Natchez will let you have them. If we can offer sheet, Jake (laughs) Ottinger. Um, that'll be it. And you know what? Waddell can stay. If that's the deal that goes down, Waddell is back in my good graces. I'm ready to give it another effort next year, but something's got to give this off season. No, I don't want yeah, to be looking at I, the same thing at the start of next year. Um, I just want to <clears throat> look at NHL free agents this this year because I don't even know who's a free agent. Um, so we'll take a good look at them here. Uh, I think we've all really, um, you know, hammered it on Carolina and on New York. So we we can kind of take a break from there and at least not trying to go through every. Um, free agent but at least just try and look at some of them um Radulov sticks out Forsberg Malkin Subban Giroux I mean there's there's some pretty good names out there that I feel like I mean Philip Forsberg I think that guy's I think Carolina might want to look at him I really like Philip Forsberg He's a defenseman, right? no Forsberg's a forward Who's the um, defenseman on? Oh, it's Yossi. Yossi? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, is it we Yossi? Don't, we don't need to go after Yossi. Philip Forsberg played 69 games this season. Shout out. That's a good number. Nice. 42 goals and 42 assists. I mean, you guys really could have used that. Hey, I got a funny one. Go for where's, it. Where's Eric Carlson's contract? Because somebody's um, got somebody needs to step up and lead that power play. I do not want to see Tony oh. D'Angelo next year. I don't think you're going to want that contract. I think that's $11.5 million. Well, I mean, obviously, they're going to need to make it cap-friendly. But 
I mean, you know, because this would be if, if especially if Stahl goes yeah. Carlson, it could be an opportunity to to regenerate your career. It could be another, you know, one last look at a cup. It could be a leadership role with Jordan Stahl out of the picture. You could be brought back to your Norris Trot Lake. There's a lot there that yeah, I think you could argue in front of Eric Carlson's face and say, you want to be a little bit more friendly about it. We're willing to take a stab at this. Maybe not sure. necessarily that guy specifically, but that type of we we do sure. need we do need someone who can score from the blue line. If we're not going to go after him, if we're not going to find a McKinnon or a Matthews, we need some scoring to come from that because Hamilton Hamilton was a major benefit with all the points that he put up from the blue line. Major benefit. No, no I. Agree. <laughs> um, there are some big names out on the free market that I think that you guys could definitely sign and improve your scoring. Um, it'll be an interesting offseason for the Carolina Hurricanes. A retool, I think, is definitely um, it, it, it's definitely an option for you guys. But to your point, you can retool all you want, but you got to have your foundation should always be the goaltender. Look at that. Look at the Lightning. Look at who the Stars could possibly be in the future with Ottinger. Um, you know, look at those teams that didn't make, say, Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby their foundation to build around. They used a goaltender and then built around their goaltender. Um, that That's where you're going to find success. And, you know, I, I think it's going to pay dividends for Carolina, who's, you know, they're a good team. They play well defensively. That only helps a goaltender when they play. So. Find yourself a, a starting goaltender that you can settle down with. Mm-hmm. Um, I really thought it was Nadelkovic last season, but hey, you guys decided to move you on from me him. Bull. But you know, I, gosh, I'm gonna have to listen to our off season, our free agency uh, episode when uh, when we just tore through Carolina and the, the moves I was that skeptical. they were making. I was massively skeptical, but as you always, I had to remain open-minded because I was massively skeptical about the Skinner trade. Yeah, no, that's fair. I was totally wrong about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But hey, we like you said we can always we can always talk about this for eons, but we'll end it here. Um, you know, it's it's good to talk about Carolina, man. I think there's there was a lot of things needed to be said about that team. Um, and I think of all the teams that got eliminated, that's the one that people are going to look at the most and probably were like I you know what dude i actually disagree i I think think people are this is going to get swept under the rug as carolina is just doing carolina things still i think it's going to be overlooked especially when you have the toronto series to look at um and that's why i think i hit them pretty hard today because i don't think there's going to be many people doing it um i could eat my words and and find something that says otherwise but I have a bad feeling that this is not going to get the level of criticism that it needs. Um, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, definitely, if you start seeing stuff, correct me there, because I want to know. I want to know if they're getting put on blast. They need to be put on blast. I agree, especially with the, the team and the roster they have and the coach behind the bench. You know, that that's a team that I think should have performed better. Yeah, but it it's it really comes down to the coach behind the bench for me. Uh, he deserves much better. He deserves much, much better when it comes playoff time from those guys. Not just yeah. the fans. It starts with Rod. Yeah. I mean, he's 
we owe it all to him as yeah. a player and a coach. Yeah, he's a hell of a coach. <clears throat> um, and a, I believe he's a former Jack Adams winner, too. I think he won it yes. last year. Yeah, okay. I think he, he finally was nominated got the... a year late, but he did get his award. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Um, but, you know, we'll end it there. Um, it is June 2nd, so uh, the only game tonight would be the Colorado and Kemper's out game. And I, Kemper's I, out. And I Kemper's out. I th- did Mike Smith get injured or he just get he just got pulled? That's right. He just got pulled. Yeah. For a second there, I thought that Mike Smith got injured. <laughs> so we were about to see Koskinen. It could have happened. It, it, I thought it, for a second he was injured. So I thought we were about to see Koskinen versus yeah. uh, uh, who's their backup. Oh, um, uh, Franco. That's who it is. Yeah. Okay. Who I, who played really well. It, it's this series is going to be interesting. Um, with Kemper out, gosh, are you a little nervous as a Colorado fan? I thought he had a great game, um, in game one, especially coming out completely cold. But I think he let in three, so it's it's a little iffy there. Um, but that is the game tonight, and that starts at eight. Um. And like I said, you know, we really appreciate everybody who listens, uh, as always. Um, you know, we'll always be thankful for that. Uh, and I always, you know, reach out to friends once our episode's out. I let them all know that we're, we post it and it's available to listen to. So if you guys could keep listening to it, we appreciate it a lot. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. But uh, with that being said, you know, I think we'll cut it here and, uh, As always, enjoy the game and peace peace out. out.